Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Kia ora and welcome to Our Changing World on RNZ National with Alison Balance and Veronica Maduna. In 1872, James Hector and Frederick Hutton wrote the first definitive guide to New Zealand fish. The update of that book, The Fishes of New Zealand, has just been published. It's been 20 years in the making, weighs 11 kilograms, and is more than 2,000 pages long. The four volumes of this epic book detail every marine and freshwater fish in New Zealand waters. 44 scientists have contributed their expertise, and Alison Balance heads to Te Papa to meet the book's three editors, Andrew Stewart, Carl Struthers, and Clive Roberts. How many fish are in the book? Well, we've got uh, 1,262 species. Most of them are treated with a page each, so there's quite a lot of information there with a, a colour photograph or a beautiful line drawing. But we've, we've actually got more than that which are keyed out, so we can identify, uh, I think, 1,370 uh, species. One of our main objectives was to, to treat every fish species that we could identify and recognise within the boundary of the EEZ, but it also includes estuarine and freshwater fishes up to you know the mountaintops and the, the rivers and streams of New Zealand. So it is everything that we know as of two years ago, which was sort of the cut-off date for uh, the production uh, inclusion in the book. Because you had to draw a line at some point. Absolutely, yes. The thing is that we're finding new species you know, every month, Every two or three weeks we're finding a new species from the New Zealand Exclusive Economic Zone area and that has been continuing for over 20 years. So there's a lot of fish out there which we're still trying to find and we needed this guide which is basically capturing the the whole level of knowledge that we have at this moment in time so that we can progress to the next level of what else is out there. So to get from a fish in the ocean to being in this book there's there's a big intermediate step. Tell me about that. Well we've got a huge network of collectors. These include the Ministry of Primary Industry of Scientific Observers, we have the seafood industry, people skippers, crews on boats collecting, Niwa obviously, Department of Conservation, Uh, we ran our own field trips as well. So the material comes in here, gets identified here and then registered into the national collection. And as a result of this project now we've had these specialists coming through and taking their group and going through it and our collection is now identified to the most accurate level as possible because we've had them here for days, weeks, sometimes even months. And um, we're really pleased that we now have this comprehensively identified collection. How big is the collection here? How many fish have you got in it? Well, it's past 300,000 specimens. We've recently acquired a very large freshwater fish collection from Niwa and Christchurch. But we've also got a freezer full of material that we're going to be working on over the next few months as well. So it's probably going to top, by the time I've finished be well over 400,000 specimens. With more coming in every day? Pretty much, yes. There's a lot of ocean that hasn't been explored. Over half our EEZ is deeper than 2,000 metres. And if you look on the database and start plotting by depth, you'll find we only have a handful of 
of data points for specimens below 2,000 metres. And so this area is just a great white page to us, really. What's there? We don't know yet. What's the smallest fish you've got in the book, and what's the biggest fish you've got? Well, let's see. The smallest fish is a clingfish, uh, which is about uh, 18 millimetres in length. The largest is uh, the whale shark, which is about uh, six metres in length, weighing least, two tonnes. Yeah, they're huge. They come in different sizes. I mean, the whale shark is the biggest if you combine length and weight. Um, bony fishes, we've got sunfish. The length, we've got oarfishes, but they're very long and skinny and fragile. You usually get them in kit set form on the beach. They break up in the waves. So I imagine you don't have a whale shark in the collection? We have photographs, and that's it. So what is the biggest thing you've got in the collection? Our biggest specimen is a three-metre, around 400-kilogram sleeper shark taken down on the Campbell Plateau, and that's a monster. But we also have other very large fish in the collection. We have a 115-kilo Queensland groper. Uh, we've got a 243-kilogram shark-tailed sunfish um, and a number of other very large fish that go well over 100 kilograms. Uh, the capacity we have here for preserving large specimens is, is pretty much unrivaled anywhere in the world. We don't sort of throw our hands up in horror. We go, hmm, I think we can do this. And are there other fish collections around the country that you've also drawn on? Um, yes, there's a collection up in Auckland at the Auckland Museum. There's a, uh, smaller collections are held in Christchurch, Canterbury Museum, and Otago Museum down, down in Dunedin. Those are the four um, collections that we've worked on as well as our own collection here, the National Fish Collection. But also we've been working on collections overseas, uh, particularly collections in Australia, because Australia is our you know, nearest country and that's where uh, we have the strongest links by geographically. Um, but having said that, in order to identify our fishes, we've, we've had to travel to many collections all around the world, from Europe and Asia as well, to compare um, the species in the, in the same family to establish whether or not ours is a distinct species and, and in some cases new, a new species to science which we then uh, describe. So during the course of the project we've published, the authors contributing to the project have published um, over 90 scientific papers describing uh, new fishes and new records for the area. Now, I gather that you all have different specialities, different areas of interest, so let's go around. What, what fish are you interested in, Clive? Oh, I'm interested in a, a range of, of fishes um, from the area, particularly uh, harpooker and bass. That's where I started my uh, research in, on New Zealand fishes. Whatever group that's sort of needed work at the time, I've sort of, from, from the, the lowly hagfishes, which have... Uh, which you know, they're slimy and unfish-like and people don't like them, but they're actually very fascinating and poorly studied and we've now focused on them and got a very good collection and we've described, I think it's four, four new species recently, so we've, we've doubled the known fish fauna of hagfishes around, around New Zealand. And Andrew, your specialities? I've never met a fish I didn't like. But, um, uh, found myself working um, on taxonomy of some of the deeper water species, particularly deep water sharks. I have a real soft spot for the ceratioid anglerfishes. I refer to them as my lovely girls because uh, they've got huge mouths full of big teeth and, and great dangling lure off the top of their head. Also other deep water groups as well. And Carl, what about you? 
Well, I've probably picked up a few odds and sods. I work on orlopids, which are flag fins, so they're quite a quite a pretty group of fishes found throughout throughout the world, mostly Indo-Pacific, and then quite uh, a couple of species in New Zealand. Also, uh, sand perches, including like the blue cod, well known around the country and very friendly for divers. Uh, through to morid cods, a uh, family which includes uh, red cod and bastard cod. There's some interesting uh, larger species in that, the giant cod. And also sea perches, so Helicolinus, also called Jock Stewart. It's a very problematic uh, genus itself in a worldwide sense, so trying to look at the New Zealand situation and apply that through a global problem. Uh, over 20% of the fish fauna is native to New Zealand, un- unique to our waters. By the same token, uh, 80% isn't. So um, 80% of our fish fauna is found somewhere else in the world. Um, and uh, you know, a, a number of those species, uh, over 20%, are widespread, so are found in all three oceans. So the work, the new knowledge which is being published in this book is actually relevant to a lot of other countries other than just New Zealand, although it is focusing on the fishes that occur here within our waters. But it, that makes, gives it a, an important international uh, perspective as well as a national New Zealand perspective. So why is it important that we have a book like this? Um, well, it's a major reference source, really. It's, uh, it's a summary of our knowledge at this moment in time. Um, it's, a, you know, it's an improvement on, on what we have, um, and, but it's also a springboard for where we need to go to fully understand what the diversity of New Zealand, the New Zealand fish fauna uh, actually is, because at the moment we're still finding a new one every two or three weeks, uh, still. I mean, we've, we've found 14 you know, in, the, in the last two years, and we haven't really been looking hard because we've been working on the book. Um, so how many fishes do we have in, in New Zealand? That's a question no one can answer and only time will tell. But, uh, you know, the, the figure has been 500, 600, 700, that sort of estimate, which is a, a lot of work ahead of us. And we're hoping that uh, with the book out there, people will be able to identify and name the fishes, but they'll also be able to identify those that aren't recognised, aren't included in, in the book. And we're really keen to, uh, you know, get our hands on those. But um, there's a, a, a general interest in, in New Zealand and fishes, you know, going, going out uh, in the summertime and catching a feed. You know, that's a traditional um, way of life for, for New Zealanders. Uh, you know, kids on the wharf catching, catching spotties. Um, you know, it, it is an inherent, inherent part of our, our culture. So from the general public's point of view, what fish have I caught if I'm, if I'm an angler? There's... Uh, you know, a quarter of the New Zealand population um, go fishing. That's, that's over one million anglers in New Zealand. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty large number. And they want to know what species are caught, general interest, but also, you know, in, in angling competitions, different species, you know, grow to different lengths. So if you're, if you're you know, trying to catch a, a record marlin for a, a substantial prize, is it a blue marlin, in which case it's, you know, a sm- if it's a small blue marlin, it perhaps isn't as, as big as a, you know, a large um, striped marlin, which, which is a, you know, a prize-worthy worthy fish. But also um, our fishing industry needs to identify the species in order to ex- export, for example. Um, every, every fish that is exported needs a scientific name, an accurate scientific name. And uh, this, this is a resource which, which will improve our ability to identify these, these um, 
these species, and you know that's worth over a billion dollars a year to New Zealand. So um, that's a main uh, major industry which we're supporting. Um, conservation, we need to know uh, what, what the diversity of fish is, is out there, what the patterns of diversity. We need to know uh, the endemic species, those which are unique to New Zealand, those are the ones which we really need to look after, and we need to look after their habitats. So it's very important for marine reserves, it's doing surveys um, for Department of Conservation. So the conservation of our fish stocks uh, is important. Now, I can see some specimens on the bench behind you. Can you introduce me to them? And what I've got in here are some subadults. Some long, skinny things. <laughs> they have the most wonderful poetic name of Daggertooth. Daggertooth. And they've got long, long jaws. Huge jaws. With said teeth. Yes. Now, they, they almost look like sort of fish meat snake, really. <laughs> um, they're very thick and, and muscular at the back end. The gut is very long and, and uh, extended for uh, accommodating oversized prey. But down at the back, you've got a lot of red muscle. So these things swim and literally strike like a snake at their prey. I have to say their jaws look a bit like a bird beak. Very long and thin. But what is unusual about these is the teeth are actually reversed. You normally expect a tooth to sort of be curved down and back towards the mouth, but these are curved down and forward. And why is that? What has been discovered about these is they will strike at their prey and they usually aim at the tail region. They clamp down and then they reverse. And uh, this is designed to cut and sever the spinal cord of the little fish that they've struck at. Oh, mean. And then they manipulate <laughs> it and swallow it head first. Now, the main cutting teeth are on the roof of the mouth a bone called the voma. Uh, you'll see this large fleshy knob on the, on the tip of the lower jaw here. It sort of sticks out. And what it is understood is that as the fish strikes its prey, if that bends excessively, the mouth opens further, and that voma is actually two uh, parallel bones, opens up and becomes instead a double line of cutting teeth. So it's being giving the information that this is too big to try and um, disable and swallow whole. So it will actually rip a segment out of its prey. That's extraordinarily cunning. They're quite amazing. These are very beautiful when they're alive. They're, they're a, a midnight blue on the dorsal surface, silvery down the, the, the flanks, and their eyes are the colour of sapphire. So, um, you know, so a deep water assassin, they're actually quite, uh, quite attractive. So deep water, you say, what kind of depth? Um, they go down to about 2,500 metres, but they undergo a vertical migration and come up towards the surface waters at night, um, again, hunting their, their prey. Also, uh, this whole group are hermaphrodites. They uh, don't occur in very large numbers in the deep ocean. So come spawning time, you don't want to have gone through your whole life and made it that far only to discover you've encountered the wrong sex. So each one is a practical hermaphrodite. They produce both sperm and eggs. And at sexual uh, maturity, the teeth are lost, the gut degenerates, um, the skeleton starts to um, become very weak. Uh, they spawn once and die. I think that's the extraordinary thing about this book for me is that as I flick through the pages, it's just full of fish that I have no idea existed. We hope that people will actually be enthralled by that. You know, it's a cold rainy day, the wind's blowing, you can't go fishing, we'll sit in the batch and just enjoy and thumb through the book and, and learn new things about fishes you didn't know about. So that was a fantastic fish. It was 
snake meets bird meets fish. So what have you got to show me, Carl? Well, I've got a, I've got a shark to show you today, Ooh. but it's probably not a shark as we all kind of understand a shark to be. So not a great white? Not in this, <laughs> clearly not in that bucket. Not in this small bucket, or not even a part of a great white. But um, Oh, it's mm, rough and prickly. Pretty, pretty much. It's a little prickly dogfish. Oh, that's extraordinary. It's a lovely. It looks like a pretend something that somebody's made. <laughs> it's a lovely little immature male we have here. It's it, it's unusual in the fact you can pretty much sit on its belly and being kind of triangular in shape. It just <laughs> it's got a flat stomach. <laughs> just kind of sits there. It's kind of a squat shark. It's very very tall shark. Um, has a quite unusual arch just behind the head up to the dorsal fin. Has very small little denticles. You can. Probably hear how rough the the body is. That's very prickly. Ha, very peculiar looking shark. A related species in the Eastern Atlantic and Mediterranean has actually been recorded uh, getting or finding skate cases or lasmorank or shark and shark and race cases and biting a hole in the case and sucking out the, the kind of the embryo, which is a very unusual um, kind of food source, a very scarce food source, but it could help suggest the, the kind of morphology or the, the shape of the mouth and its kind of large lips. The thing just looks extraordinary. It looks like a really bizarre bath toy. They could also <laughs> clean you back at the same time. That's <laughs> right. There's a whole, there's a whole possibility here. <laughs> It is very, very strange, but rather adorable-looking shark. Do you have a favourite fish? I love them all. Does the thrill of getting a new species across your desk ever wear off? Never. That's what keeps us in this in this job and keeps yeah keeps the daily motivation trying to trying to uncover either through coming across the desk or working through the collection and something that you've thought was one species slowly kind of separates and you kind of see two, two good species, which is, yeah, a hard graft and sometimes a very long process, but, yeah, very, very exciting and thrilling. Does what? the thrill ever wear off? Never. There's nothing quite like that aha moment where you realise that you're looking at something which is completely new, that nobody's recognised before, and you're the first and um, you can share it with people saying, hey, this is new, I've just noticed this has this and all the others have that. And that was collection manager Andrew Stewart. You also heard from fellow fish fanatics at Te Papa, vertebrate curator Clive Roberts, and research and technical officer Carl Struthers. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Ka kite anō. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.